0: welcome to wizards the podcast guide to comics mini episode 26.5 i'm michael and let's get into it let's take a look at the amazing art section this month And there is a lot of art this time around, and it's on like three or four pages, which is more than normal, but it is interesting, and there's a lot of good stuff here. The first one comes to us from Moses L. Garcia of Los Angeles, California, and his cover is a demonic-style wizard looking through a crystal ball at... What is to assume to be Garab Sheamus reading an issue of Wizard. And then in the captions on the top, it says, Sheamus in the bubble? I wonder. This is the winner of the Silver Foil Wizard number 25. The next one comes from Jesse Campbell from Taylor's, South Carolina. And this is of Exo Manowar which seems to be at the end of some sort of battle where there's green flames burning behind him. He's holding the wizard cloak. It's almost like a flag of some sort as he walks around. And this is the winner of the gold Eternal Warrior number one. The next one is by Todd Noick from Lingoner, Pennsylvania. Sure, I don't know how to say that. It's a very weird word. And this I am... Pretty sure is profit because it seems like that's what it is, and that's what they're kind of leaning towards. It's got um, an omega symbol in the number of the Wizard magazine, which is kind of unique. And there's like a close-up of the character with the gold armor around his face, with a long, sweeping black hair, and is looking at something very seriously. And then you have a smaller version of the character drawn in like a fighting pose. It's very, very cool. I like the drawing a lot. I think it's Prophet. Someone will know for sure other than me. I can't keep track of all these characters that I don't really remember and never read when I was a kid. But this was the winner of the Gold Foil Brigade number one. The next one we have is from S.R.A. Frank R. Kelly from Brooks, AFB, Texas. And this is of Batman, Robin, Tim Drake and Nightwing wrestling the Joker to the ground, who's wearing a wizard cloak as a purple jacket, and he seems to be digging up the grave of Jason Todd. The Batman is holding a pickaxe that says, Property of Arkham Asylum, and Joker has got a shovel that says, Property of Arkham Asylum, and it's really well drawn. It's really cool. It's a cool cover. I like it a lot. There's some stuff that says in the top. It says, Wizard. In this issue, the Joker does Hamlet. Guess who he wants to be his Yurik? Nuff said. Ooh, that's dark. (laughs) And this is the winner of DC's Platinum Superman number 75. The next one is from Brian Ray from Springfield, Missouri. And this is really interesting. So it is the... Catwoman costume of the animated series. So it's like the the grayish costume with the gray black cowl. But it is the long black hair of the purple costume and with a tail. I really, really love this design. I think it's a great idea. And it looks awesome. I'm a big fan of this. I I, I strongly approve this design. It looks so cool. I'm, I, I love this particular piece of artwork here. This is very cool. The next one we have is from Jomaro Kindred, and it is of the Max. And the Max is on the cover with a young girl wearing a wizard uh bikini top and jean shorts and some green wizard guy standing behind them. I don't know much of the Max characters other than like the Max itself from the MTV show. And it talks about the Max Animated Series. And it's got, you know, check out the Max Animated Series kind of thing. And it's got a Sam Keith trading card inside, it's saying. And it's saying there is a Farezza interview inside. Interesting, interesting. Now the next one is by Moses Garcia of Los Angeles, California. And this is of... The Silver Surfer and Galactus. And Silver Surfer's kind of just sort of floating in front of Galactus. And they're standing behind like some sort of interdimensional or galactic something or other. But it's really, really cool. I love the way the Galactus face looks in relation to the way the Silver Surfer looks. This is the winner of the Gold Venom number 1. Next, we have Jason Dinwiddie from Lebanon, Montana, who has a predator and alien cover. And they look like they're about ready to attack some sort of planet or universe or something. There's a skull with a wizard hat underneath it, which is interesting. And this is the winner of the Black and White X number one. Next, we have Travis Cook. From Saginaw, Texas, who has a Ren and Stimpy cover, and Ren is standing on top of Stimpy's head, wearing the wizard cloak and the wizard hat, and it says, Stand still, you idiot! And there is Powdered Toast Man sitting there, and it says, There's a free powdered toastman trading card inside and a Muddy the Mud Skipper poster inside. And there's an actual interview with Ren and Stimpy inside of the magazine. It's a very cool drawing. I like it a lot. I'm a big fan. It looks awesome. The next one we have is by John Fang from Los Angeles, California, who drew another character that I don't know who it is. It's a guy in red shorts with gold armor his face is kind of in silhouette you really can't see who his face is but he's battling a bunch of like mechanized android things that spew green liquid out of them and he's just ripping them apart in a city essentially in rubble it's very cool i just it's again another character i don't know and someone will tell me and like how do you not know that character I'm Like i don't know man look give me a break i don't know now the last four on the on this uh amazing art section first one comes from Eric Wolf Hansen from Richmond, Virginia, and it is of She-Hulk. She's actually clothed for once. Who would have thunk it? Holy cow. She's wearing wizard spandex shorts and a tank top that says, what are you staring at? And she's basically crumbling the wizard logo in her hands, which is really cool. She looks terrific. There is a bunch of little teasers on the top that says, Ren and Stimpy, John K. Returns wolf and claremont revive x-men take a whiz with wizard and then it says usa free damn it canada ha (laughs) where the where the cost would be it's pretty funny i like it i'm okay with that it's pretty clever the next one is from daryl kevin wiggins from durham north carolina and this is a really cool cover i wish i knew who these characters were but it is of, there's five characters on the cover. This The main focus is this guy who's got an A on his groin with a big X across his chest with a red domino mask and yellow spandex and red boots. He's being restrained by a guy in all black with a cape and a skull head. Another guy with a red, green, and blue costume with a green mask kind of like Iron Fist mask, only in blue, I guess. Did I say green? I think I said green. I meant blue. I meant blue. I'm sorry. And then we have this female character in a domino mask with a blue costume and a blue illuminated hand. And then the last one is a blonde-haired guy that kind of looks like Aquaman in green and orange, but wearing a domino mask, kind of crouching beneath this guy, holding the wizard cloak in pieces. Next we have a cover by Del Perdang from Kyoki, Iowa. And it is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Battling the Headless Horseman. And it looks really cool. It really is fun and clever and pretty witty. and I dig it. It's very, very cool. The last one is by Patrick Scott from Deer Park, New York, which is very close to me, which is pretty cool. And he has a Venom cover ripping Spider-Man's costume off but he's only kind of in the bottom corner of the screen and there's like this snowy village behind him and like almost a Aurora Borealis-esque sky above him it's just, a, it's just a drawing. It's not even like a wizard cover, but just like an artistic drawing. Interesting. I don't, I don't get why he's in a snowy village as opposed to being in like New York City or something like that. But it's very, very cool and very interesting. And because he's from Long Island, I'm shouting him out big time. And that is the amazing art section for issue 26. I'm going to throw it now to Adam for Hunk and Babe of the Month. And he's got his hands full with this. Collection of hotties.
1: Oh, yeah, honking babe of the month, baby. I'm too sexy for my shirt, too sexy for my shirt, so sexy it hurts. And I am too sexy for Milan, too sexy for Milan, New York and Japan. This month, our babe is none other than Catwoman. Body paint? Or really snug costume? You decide. I'll just stare. Jeez Louise, this is one hot babe! Who cares if she's a bad girl and is into whips? You gotta take the good with the bad in any relationship. If it looks like hers, she's entitled to be as bad as she wants. Now that Batman's dropped out of sight, I'm sure she's looking for somebody to make her purr. And I'm just the guy to rub her the right way. Yikes! No! No! This is not Christina Aguilera. She's not a genie in a bottle. You do not rub her the right way. Oh, wizard. Now our hunk this month is none other than winter. What is winter from? Probably Alpha Flight? But maybe something else? But here's what they say. No pun intended, but this hunk is just too cool. Though sometimes his attitude makes you think he's kind of cold. He really knows how to turn on the heat. Those looks, that bod... And that sexy Russian accent really make me steamy. And if I ever start to overheat, he can snap his fingers and poof, instant air conditioning. What more could you ask for? Actually, as part of Stormwatch, he spends way too much time in that Skywatch satellite and not enough time down here on Terra Firma. Well, now I know. It's winter, part of Stormwatch, not Alpha Flight. I know we're talking about winter. But it looks like I just earned myself a. Play there you go with our hunk and babe of the month.
0: Back to you, Michael. Now let's take a look at my kind of hero. And there are three heroes this month. Each one of them are very unique in their own sort of way. The first one is a character by the name of Mind Warp. And Mind Warp looks kind of like a demon slash uh, the devil draconian kind of figure. It's really cool drawing of like tattered cloaks or clothing off of him and skin's kind of red and black with red and black armor and and a very unique looking sword that is terrifying to see. The artist or creator is a guy by the name of Steve Show Wurtner, age 16, from Novi, Michigan. Secret identity of Mind Warp is none. Current occupation, Monarch. Legal status, citizen of Matrix Empire with no criminal record. Marital status unknown. Base of operations is mobile. Height is 5'6", which is a little peculiar because the character looks much taller than that. Weight can be altered from 195 pounds to 478 pounds. Interesting. Curious, but interesting. Eyes unknown, hair is black. Now, powers. Mind Warp can adapt the cells of his body to imitate and control the powers of other super beings in the general vicinity as well as draining one of their superpowers in the process. This or his adaptation of cells also gives him an amazing regenerative ability which gives him a swift recovery time in the heat of battle. However, if this regenerative power is used too much at one time, the regenerated body cells become cancerous. There is also the danger of the cells becoming dissimilar to the original cells they have replaced, posing the potential threat to MindWorps' body, mind, and soul. Interesting. I wonder because this guy is 16. If he was doing a lot of biology class, and that's why he's got all of this talk about cells in his body, I think that's probably what it is. Like, were you, are you 16 when you take biology? I think so. I'm pretty sure. So, yeah, that's what I'm going with. Now, Mind Warp's origin. Here we go. Mind Warp is the reigning monarch of the other-dimensional Matrix Empire, which was recently bombarded with a lethal plague killing all all of its inhabitants, with the exception of its king. Mindwarp later learned that it was he who had originally housed the mysterious disease and was the one who had inadvertently let it loose from his powerful body. He is currently trying to make amends for the extermination of his people by tracking down the true origins of this lethal plague. Alright, the next one is Razorback. And Razorback looks kind of like a vampire meets saber-tooth meets... I don't even It's a little bit Native American. Um, it's uh, interesting. It's really, really scary-looking character, but it's cool-looking artwork. The creator is Steve Showinson, age 17, from West Point, Nebraska. The secret identity of Razorback is Dex Holdridge, current occupation Bounty Hunter, legal status citizen of the planet Ventar with no known criminal record, marital status is single, base of operations is Sodem City, height 6'8", weight 275, eyes are red and hair is black. Razorback's powers, here we go. Razorback has superhuman strength, which allows him to perform superhuman skills. That's very broad, but okay, sure, fine. He also has enhanced senses and animal-like instincts that make him one of the most gifted hunter-trackers the world has ever seen. Now, his origin. Dex Holdren, or Dykes Holdren, I it's D-I-E-X. I'm going to call it Dex, sure was born and raised on the planet Tanam Tanem, by the Bijou tribe. It was there that he learned the skills of a true predator. As part of the tribal ritual, which is not a complete sentence, the sentence literally says, as part of the tribal ritual. Okay, but it's a period and it should be a comma. Dex left the tribe for a week's time for solitary meditation and fasting. When he returned, the entire... Tanum tribe was slaughtered, and the camp was reduced to burnt ruins. Vowing revenge, Dex eventually tracked his tribe's killers to the earth-like planet, Vetnar. It was in Sodom City that he found the marauders, and it was there that he showed them the same lack of mercy they had shown his people years earlier. To this day, he remains in Sodom City, acting as a local bounty hunter. Okay, that's Razorback. The next one is Happy Face Man. And Happy Face Man essentially has a happy face for a head, a gigantic upper body and torso, the tiniest waist you've ever seen in human existence, fairly large calves, and big feet. For those of you guys who may not know, during the 90s, there was a lot of blacklight posters. I had many of them myself. And one of them was a smiley face, kind of like snarky thing. And I had that thing. It's the same kind of design as that, like, don't worry, be happy, smiley face you would see. So let's get into Happy Face Man. This was created by Wes Thurman of Barzia, Texas. His secret identity is Andrew Wright Weber. Current occupation, cotton candy salesman. Legal status, citizen of the United States with no criminal record. Marital status is single. Base of operations, Eureka, California. Height, as Andrew Weber, 5'7". As happy face man, 6'5". Weight, as Andrew Weber, 173. That's in pounds. As happy face man, 255. Eyes, as Andrew Weber, brown. As Happy Face Man, black. Okay, cool. So let's get into Happy Face Man's powers. Besides having enhanced strength and endurance, Happy Face Man has the ability to shoot rays called ticklers from both hands, which cause people to laugh uncontrollably. Weapons. Happy Face Man's Arsenal includes a stun gun, which renders bad guys helpless. He also employs laughing gas bombs, which are self explanatory. And his origin. Here we go. After a long search throughout the Earth, a strange race of aliens chose Andrew Weber as the happiest and nicest guy on the planet. These mysterious aliens abducted weber and modified his body cells to enhance his strength and endurance with hopes that he could bring peace joy and laughter to what the aliens perceived as a cruel planet that is happy face man and that is my kind of hero
1: Greetings, future geeks! Adam calling in on the 2099 hotline. This is the segment where I take you through Marvel's World of Tomorrow. We've been on the path to the first 2099 crossover event, Fall of the Hammer, and now we're in the home stretch as we return to The Adventures of Spider-Man 2099, issues 11 through 15. Ah, shock it. Let's get going! Issue 11 opens with Spider-Man stepping in to stop some police brutality, only this cop is wearing a new Armor developed by Stark Fujikawa in collaboration with Alchemex called Siege, which stands for Situation Emergency Gear. So, really, shouldn't it be SEG or SEGA? Anyway, (laughs) Spider-Man evades the laser attacks from this armor until he is caught by a castrodinium alloy cable noose. Gotta love those fake metal names. But is saved by an unseen sniper who blasts a hole in the siege officer from a nearby skyscraper. Back at home, Miguel asks his holographic assistant Lila to think for herself, forcing her to overcome her programming. And she admits, I think if I were human... I would be in love with you. Weirded out, Miguel goes back to his lab, only to find another smart-mouthed scientist named Jordan Boone using all of his equipment. As you'll recall, Jordan Boone is a friend of Mean Streak from X-Men 2099, but no friend of Miguel, as the two geniuses spend most of the issue hurling insults at each other. The issue ends with a dude in Spartan armor and helmet riding a personal aircraft, and we're promised next. Thanatos. Sounds a little too close to Thanos, if you ask me, but let's see if this guy has anything to do with the fall of the hammer storyline. Issue number 12 opens with a bang after Jordan Boone's virtual unreality experiment that's attempting to break the barriers of interdimensional travel hits an explosive snag. Undeterred, the scientist gets right back in the lab and pulls a lizard-like alien creature from the portal and declares success, while Miguel is busy talking to the sinister head of Alchemax, Tyler Stone, who's been getting very close to Miguel's girlfriend friend Dana. Suddenly, Thanatos busts through the wall, claims he's come for Tyler Stone, not making it totally clear why, but making a quick change into Spider-Man, Miguel stands in his way and asks for an explanation. Thanatos reveals that the work of breaking dimensional barriers was started by Reed Richards and they don't understand what they're dealing with. Also, that Thanatos is seeking to, quote, acquire the full lost power of the heroic age, whatever that means. They store Boone's lab and Thanatos knocks Jordan into the portal, but a webline from spider-man drags him back out again in the final panel we see someone else emerge now that the doorway has been opened and we are teased with next the prophet issue 13 well there's this mystery man right he came out of the portal and he is declared by some thorite workers as the prophet of thor but thanatos says i heard that your pathetic whisperings thor is dead i know i was there Ooh. The Prophet seems to be suffering from amnesia, but says he recognizes Thanatos, who cryptically mentions that yes, they have met in the past as an attack starts, but it's interrupted by Spider-Man. During their tussle, Spider-Man and Thanatos are actually blasted into the virtual unreality portal by Alchemax security guards, and then it gets kind of trippy. Spider-Man wakes up confused, standing over a giant version of himself with tiny people mourning his death. It actually looks more kind of like a Gulliver's Travel things with a the Lilliputians, but then a giant version of Thanatos shows up, explaining that they are in interspace, a place one-stopped removed from the nexus of all realities. Ooh, that's deep. Thanatos claims he's going to siphon energies from this dimension so he can, quote, devastate your precious world of 2099. Meanwhile, Tyler Stone is being informed by Avatar, you remember him, the big bad behind the whole floating city of Valhalla, that the person who emerged from the portal is known as the Net Prophet, and he is wandering the streets confused as we see him, but then at the end of the issue, he ends up pulling Miguel out of inner space somehow, and then realizing he's back in his own ap- apartment, Miguel finds the Prophet bleeding out. Now, issue fourteen features pencils by a fill-in artist named Tom Grindberg, which is a jarring departure from Rick Linardi's iconic art on most issues, and frankly, for me, not a welcome change. Uh, just did not enjoy his art style. Anyway, in flashback, we learn that after Thanatos and Spider-Man went into the portal, the Prophet was then shot by the Alchemex guards and jumped in after them to rescue the wall crawler. Miguel cauterizes the wound as the Prophet admits he has no idea who he is or what the full extent of his power are, but apparently he can read Miguel's mind and was able to teleport them to the place where he felt the safest. In A Seed Planted to Pay Off Later, we also see Lila take a message from Miguel's girlfriend Dana and then lie to him about whether or not Dana called. What's going on? We'll find out after the crossover. Miguel and the Prophet then teleport to the top of a high-rise building for a heart-to-heart chat, and the Prophet's spotty memory seems to reveal to him that he has a child that he thinks was a daughter. But then suddenly, like... Very suddenly, the action jumps to downtown. We see a Thorite gang called the Fenris are harassing Father Jennifer and challenging the Christian God, saying, quote, Go ahead, God, take your best shot. Suddenly, Spider-Man and the Prophet teleport to the church, where Spider-Man admits that he was there to apologize for all the destruction he caused when he was fighting the Vulture way back when. And with glowing eyes, the Prophet blasts the gang leader out of the church, saying, I just learned that. If you'll recall from earlier issues, Thorites consider Spider-Man a harbinger of Thor, so he declares, quote, The harbinger of Thor and the prophet of Thor honor all religions. But he is then threatened that someone named Bloodsword won't take this lying down. After all the hubbub, the Prophet jumps into a portal, bidding farewell to Spider Man. Yeah, that issue is kind of a mess. In issue 15, the Fenris make good on the threat of Bloodsword as he and Spider Man have a showdown. The tough guy basically looks like a psychotic Conan the Barbarian with a gigantic sword, which Spider Man grabs with his hand and cuts to pieces with his finger talons. This is really the coolest thing Spider Man has done in all of the issues being reviewed. Luckily, Rick Lodardi is back for this issue as well, so it looks great. Uh, During the fray, we see Jordan Boone sending a message to Mean Streak of the X-Men 2099 telling him that he has figured out the truth about Valhalla, but just as he sends the email, Boone is knocked out by a shadowy figure that drags him away. After some drama between Miguel's brother Gabriel and his radical insurgent girlfriend Casey, which has been sprinkled throughout all these issues, but I could care less, it doesn't really seem to be going anywhere, Miguel attends the opening of Valhalla. ...at the invitation of his boss, Tyler Stone. It's revealed the floating city has a magnetic bridge that looks like a rainbow when activated. So they call it the Bifrost, like the mystical bridge that connects Midgard to Asgard in North Mythology. As they turn on the full power of the city, Miguel sees a shadowy caped figure holding a hammer at the top of the structure. And as the city begins to move, two floating beings come into view saying, "...Be not afraid." This is a time to rejoice, and in a dual splash page, we see the two claiming to be Thor and Heimdall. Thor is decked out in yellow and blue spandex with a big red T on his chest, while swinging his hammer and looking like the WWE wrestler Triple H. Yeah, it's kind of a gaudy look for him. Heimdall, on the other hand, looks much more medieval with a leather belt and chainmail headpiece. In the final panel, Thor declares, We shall bring this world into a golden age it truly deserves, and woe to those who are the all springers of the word of Thor, for they shall be the first to die. Dun dun dun. And so we are promised next month, the wait is over, the fall of the hammer. I assume the Net profit and Thanatos teases will pay off at some point. At least I hope they will because this run of issues really just felt like it was spinning its wheels, dropping a lot of cryptic information that didn't seem to go anywhere. And what wasn't Shrouded in Mystery was a lot of repetition of old themes. Hey, Spidey is fighting another armored antagonist from Alchemex. Oh, he's back in downtown fighting the gangs again. You know, we'd seen it all before. The only intriguing seed planted was what was going on with Lila and how her artificial intelligence seemed to be gaining sentience. So it'll be very cool to see where that goes. But I am excited to finally read the full Fall of the Hammer crossover. I'll be back with the main event next mini-episode. So, until next time,
0: see you in the future. In issue 26 of Wizard, there was a bunch of really cool homemade heroes. Three that are really quite impressive. The first one is a cyborg Superman. And it, this is the caption that Wizard has to say. The dreaded cyborg Superman comes from Craig Holiday from Colorado Springs, Colorado. It was made from a Terminator 2 figure with a lot of hard work and perseverance. It's really, really cool the way he's got, like, mechanical legs and mechanical arms and a half head. It's definitely must have taken a tremendous amount of work. The second one is unbelievable. Like, it's just, when I read you this description, you're going to be blown away. Fabian Acuna from Lennox, California made this Azriel figure from a 12-inch New Kids on the Block doll and Batman candy dispenser head. (laughs) The fact that someone could figure out how to do that, the logistics of that or the physics of that just blows my mind. It's, It's wild. Now, the winner from this month is the contest figure of the month. And it says... Roger Beckett of Detroit, Michigan, made this Equinox the thermodynamic man from an Iceman and Human Torch figure. He also made the packaging from scratch. Congratulations. And it's like, a legit Marvel superheroes Classics action figure packaging. It's unbelievable that he did this. And this is probably either very early days of Photoshop or maybe even pre-Photoshop to design something like this. It must have had it screen printed or something, but it's it's pretty cool. I'd love to find this figure if maybe he's selling it on eBay now. He's like, I gotta unload this, this Equinox figure that I made and put my blood, sweat, and tears into. It's pretty cool. And that is homemade heroes. And finally, let's talk about the wizard contest number 26. (music) As you guys know, Adam has been posting the contest on our social media to see if you guys could help me out answer some of these questions because, as you all know, I'm embarrassingly bad at it to the point where my buddy Pete, who I do the Box Office 30 podcast today, said to me, sometimes you're so bad at it, you should have your geek license revoked because I'm so bad at this stuff. And it really is. I don't know why. You ask me anything Of recent years, I can rifle it off. But you go back 30 years ago or so, I got nothing most of the time. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. But that being said, let's talk about this quiz. First of all, I want to read the actual contest prizes. Because usually the prizes are kind of lame. And I don't understand why someone will put so much effort into these contests. Because the prizes usually stink. But let's see what these ones are. Grand Prize is a copy of Amazing Spider-Man 300, the first appearance of the Mighty Venom, signed by artist Todd McFarlane. That's pretty cool. Okay. That's pretty neat. I like that. First Prize is a set of the six-issue Venom Lethal Protector miniseries, signed by artist Mark Bagley, or a set of the Venom the Madness signed by artist Kelly Jones, your choice. The second prize is a set of Amazing Spider-Man numbers 361 to 362, the first appearance of Carnage signed by artist Mark Bagley or a copy of the Soul of the Hunter one-shot Signed by artist Mike Zeck, Your choice. Third prize, a copy of Spider-Man Unlimited number one. Signed by artist Ron Lim. Or a copy of Amazing Spider-Man 365. Signed by artist Mark Pagley. Your choice. It feels like since this is a very Spider-Man heavy contest, these are going to be Spider-Man heavy questions. So let's look at them. So the first question is the bridge Gwen Stacy fell off of and died. And so we've got a bunch of people that have commented here on our Twitter. And I'm going to start with the person that got all of them right, or at least all the answers is at my CB collection on Twitter or my comic book collection. And the answer this person gave us was, brooklyn and yes that is correct it is the brooklyn bridge i do know that answer so okay i'm good with that the next one is flash thompson's old girlfriend (laughs) i have no idea who flash thompson's old girlfriend was but my comic book collection says sha shan s-h-a dash s-h-a-n okay cool the number three question says Villain Aunt May Almost Married. So, a bunch of people got this one, and my comic book collection says Dr. Octopus. Then we have at Vigitude also says Doc Ock, and so I'm going to say that is correct because two people are chiming in on that, and I vaguely remember that as well, funny enough. That is something that I do remember, folks. Believe me, I'm not just making this up because I'm reading the answers from our social media here, but we'll see. The next one says, the newspaper Eddie Brock was fired from. Now, you'd think that it would be the Daily Bugle because, well, you thought he worked with Peter Parker. But he didn't. He actually worked at the Daily Globe. And my comic book collection and Vignus Maximus also said Daily Globe. I don't know why I actually knew that one, but I believe it or not, I did. I'm, I'm doing better than I thought I would have done on this quiz. So yeah, okay, that's pretty cool. The next one says, Hobgoblin once blackmailed J. Jonah Jameson with the information that Jameson had created this villain. And I think it was Scorpion. I'm pretty sure it's Scorpion and Vigmus Maximus and my comic book collection also say scorpion so i'm gonna go with that now the next one says norman osborne's embezzling partner i don't remember this i mean i vaguely think i thought it was in the cartoon was it in the cartoon i'm not really sure but my comic book collection says Mendel Strom. Vigmus Maximus says something strong. So I'm going to say it's Mendel. Mendel Strom sounds right. I remember that name when I'm reading it here. At least the last name, not the first name. So I'm going to go with that. Number seven says, Spider-Man was once a regular on what children's educational program? So we have a bunch of people that chimed in on here. First we have at Karen Feigler says... Number seven is The Electric Company. I remember that show. I never really watched it, but I do remember it. And my comic book collection says also The Electric Company. Interesting. Okay, cool. All right, so let's say The Electric Company. It sounds right. It fits in the spaces, so we'll go with that. Now, the last one says The Soap Opera Mary Jane Appeared On. And The Soap Opera Mary Jane Appeared. On. Well, we've got Vigmus Maximus and my combo collection saying it is Secret Hospital. Interesting. Okay. Now, here is where it gets really interesting, right? You want to fill in the blanks. And in the wizard contest, there's always a highlighted letter in each answer. And then you have to take those letters and put them together and figure out what the answer would be. And now, the answer here is five letters for the first word and three letters for the second word. And my compa collection says the letters are as follows, B-N-U-E-N-E-L-C. And he goes, A-K-A, Uncle Ben and his rice. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, the Answer, Uncle Ben, does fit in that in that block. So, wow, my comic book collection. You really knocked it out of the park. You got all of them right, and you solved the mystery of the riddle. Pretty cool. I I would have never gotten that. I mean, I might have gotten some of it because I could see the letters, but they're not even in order. Then you have to take those letters and put them together, which is makes it even harder. These quizzes are not easy. But that is the contest for issue 26. And that's mini episode 26.5. Thanks so much for listening as always. You can follow us on Instagram at wizards underscore comics. On Twitter at wizards comics. Or follow us on our YouTube channel wizards podcast don't forget to like and subscribe we have tons of content coming out on there if you want to hear more stuff from adam you can check out his other podcast sequel quest he's got a bunch of other cool projects coming up as well and a really cool interview series about working in video stores back in the 80s and 90s which is really cool and if you want to hear more stuff from me you can check out my other podcast box office 30 where my buddy pete and i talk about the number one movies of each month, 30 years ago. But until next time, don't forget to keep your books bagged and boarded. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.